Hello and welcome to the Carpetrage Podcast, episode 297. I don't know if I should start putting the name if we've named it beforehand in the episode here. Or if we you know, just... sometimes we come up after the fact, but this one's called Your Frontier is Only Mostly, Mostly dead. dead. I just, it makes me think of that like chocolate pill from the. Uh, it's literally. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get to. Well, let's do the intro, and how about we put my uh, topic here first, since that's the headline topic. Go ahead and rearrange it while I cover well, Patreon. Over okay, here. we'll do. Uh, head on over to patreon.com forward slash carpetrage. There's a super cool website there, and I think you guys are really going to like it, because there's three open-ended levels of support for you guys, the content consumers, to support us guys, the content producers, starting at just 99 cents a month. You will have our undying gratitude, knowing that you will help pay our hosting costs, a little bit of beer, and also you can get some sweet swag like stickers, shirts, and potentially future items. Patreon.com forward slash Carbitrage. All right, beer. We both have ham sandwiches. Yes, I uh, had some Taco Bell, so feel comfortable. You got to eat before you drink. That is true. I did have some hash browns today, but uh, still have some coffee, but it's very cold, so I don't think I'll be finishing that. All right, so... First topic, and this is what the point is. Uh, the rear-wheel drive Mazda inline six project mm-hmm. sedan thing might not be dead yet. Good. Wow. Why did that like deep link me further? Uh, down because for some page? reason I had it uh, to my comment that I had oh, left. Oh, I gotcha. Um, but yeah, so apparently Best Car, which is like Japan's car and driver <laughs> um, development in the front engine rear-wheel drive six, is quote unquote currently underway. Also, um, oh, not the SUV we didn't want. Yes. Oh, okay, great. Uh, and I think that they uh, made they put it in an SUV to make bean counters happy. Then when the SUV sold like literally nine units last month, um, they're like, okay, maybe. Hmm. Was that a Trojan horse just to federalize that engine? I think so. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually kind of um, funny. I like that. Like that, that truck makes no sense. Uh, and it, it's going to be a hilarious, weird shitbox collector vehicle. Like, oh my god! At some point, the uh, CX ninety or whatever it was called. It's like seeing a CX seven still on the road. It's like wow. CX sevens are cool. Though. They they are the cheapest vector to get a Mazda Speed three engine. But all of them blew up because yeah, nobody because, knew how to maintain yes. those things. Yeah, no, you're giving a soccer mom a sports car engine. <laughs> yeah, um, but actually, it's usually the transmission that lets go. Really. Yeah, that is the first point of failure for some reason. Are they a regular automatic in those? Yeah. Okay. Just a normal vanilla automatic, and somebody just didn't do their transmission fluid exchanges. And I mean, you can replace turbos. Like, that's fine. But, sure. like, the engine itself is substantially different from a normal Mazda 2.3, hmm. where it's just, like, internal. Like, to make a Mazda 2.3 into a Mazda Speed 3, it'd be more expensive than just buying the Mazda Speed 3, even though you can. Like, you just have to take literally every single Mazda Speed 3 component that's different and stuff it on the normal engine block. I mean, and I, it's just, it doesn't make sense at that point. I guess it kind of makes sense that it would indeed be a ground-up thing, because for a manufacturer, it's it's basically no additional cost for them to put in a different but similar component. Yeah, exactly. Well, and they, they actually upgraded it. Because, well, the thing is, when they made the Mazda Speed 3, the protege... Mazda Speed Protege before it, they'd literally just put a turbo into a non-turbo engine, mm-hmm. and it was not good. Um, yeah, even with low boost, it was... Yeah, no, they all exploded. Uh, they're really cool, but they all exploded. So, um, yeah, that, that's why the cx is cool. But anyway, about the inline-six, um, the thing is, is that the inline-six, the CX-90, is actually pretty good for it. It's like, a, as far as SUV goes, like it's kind of like a 
Audi S8 killer, like where it's like it's that good hand, uh, as far as handling goes. Hmm. It's not as fast, but like you know, if you want, if you have to own an SUV because your wife will leave you if you don't, but you still want to enjoy yourself, that's about as close to getting to enjoy yourself as you can get. I feel like that's Mazda's like coup de gras. It's like yeah, if no, you they, have to buy a car that's kind of boring. No, they, they it make, drives well. They make boring cars good. Mm-hmm. Like Mazda excels when they're making their not like well-known cars. The RX-8, it's like, sucks. Um, The RX-7 was, the RX-7 was an anomaly and that was actually good. But like, for every RX-7, you have like, Mazda GLC, the 626 uh, Turbo Coupe, you have um, all the Mazda Speed, whatever you want. And the MP3, which was super weird. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, Mazda Speed 3, yeah. No, No, the MP3, it was a protege trim. Oh, yeah. It was the Mazda Speed Protege without any of the turbo yeah. stuff that predated it, but it had an MP3 hookup in the uh, in the radio. I remember that the Protege oh, MP3 is very interesting. I totally forgot that out yep. of my memory, but like, yep. yeah, my my five was great. Yep. Like, yeah, was, no, my, is yeah, is, is. Well, I mean, like when I was daily driving, right, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, like all of these Mazas like are fantastic. So, uh, yeah, Mazda still apparently working on it um and it's just like mazda really should just do this like this should be their like saving grace their absolute final internal combustion engine car even if it's a hybrid i really think that mazda needs to make this happen like that'd be incredible yeah even if they just pulled design language from it i know it's not going to be the concept car on the road i get it but it is a great looking chassis yeah no and we love straight sixes i'm I'm not gonna lie i could actually see them doing that because there's not anything on this I mean, they put normal mirrors on it and door handles, but like other than other than mirrors and door handles, I'm not seeing a whole lot on this that like wouldn't be doable and isn't already reflected in their current design language. True, I don't think it's gonna have these 22 inch wheels on it either because it's you know concept car stuff. But I could see it being that same style and being a 20 or something. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I mean wheels, I don't really care about. Right, right. Um, but yeah, my quote uh, that that went down to was in the world, words of Miracle Max. It just so happens that your friend here is only mostly dead. There's a big <laughs> difference between mostly dead and all dead. Mostly dead is slightly alive, and that's what this is: slightly alive. We could just call this episode "slightly alive." No, nah, like <laughs> only mostly dead. It'll fit. It's fine. It, you know, you're gonna get the podcast app. You click on it, and it's gonna start like uh, bu- uh, buffering back and forth. You know, you know yeah. or bouncing, <laughs> bouncing back and forth. <laughs> yeah. What is the start? Oh, there's the end. Okay, your friend here is only mostly dead. <laughs> I, I don't know. I really hope that happens. I mean, I mean, even as a hybrid, I'd be okay with it. Yeah, because like, I mean, we're, it's only fifty percent the inline six for me. The fact that this is a really, really good looking. Sedan. Yeah. Helps. No, it's a it's a really incredible sedan that has a lot of Mazda's historic design language that like it would be a really good kind of last hurrah of the internal combustion engine mm-hmm. for them. Because the taillights are F D RX seven. If you go if you scroll up a little bit and you look at a little bit more. The grill is an RX three Mazda Luce um, Beltline, like there's a bunch of Mazda, like historical Heritage. like design language in this. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a greatest hits, and I think if they made a greatest hits and they went out on the only inline six that they've ever made, would be a really cool way to finish up that you know the internal combustion engine. I 
Yeah, to that point, over the last, what, we'll say four or five years, the amount of interesting, like, good enthusiast-grade product that has come out as a last hurrah from these companies, yeah. and you know exactly that's what it is. No, it is. It's yeah. like, well, if we're going to have to kill the combustion engine, let's let's send it out with a bang. Yeah, exactly, and that's kind of what they're doing. And I'm pretty here for it. Like, this is good. Like, <laughs> hello, um, hello, baby mo- Stella. Mo- modern cars as a whole. Hello, Stella. Um... To blame. <laughs> um, but <laughs> um, no, I I don't. As a rule, I don't like modern cars. But um, probably the most interesting things that they've made in a long time have all been coming up in the last few years. Yeah, and like the resurgence in like manual only vehicles or vehicles that later came with an option that the take rate is extremely high. Yeah, I like I like that. No, I think uh, I, I think this era is proving that if you're going to sell anything that's internal combustion, you pretty much have to put a manual behind it. Mm-hmm. That, or you have to make like four figures of horsepower. <laughs> you like, got you got to do something. You need to have a demon, or you need to have a manual. Like those are your options. Otherwise, you're like totally missing the boat here. Right. It has so, yeah. It has to do something that the EVs don't do. Yeah, exactly, and that—that's the thing. Is like that's a that's a Nissan's going to find out with their Nismo 400Z because, oh my god, it's still worse in every way than a Model Three, whatever. Like, yeah, it's not a special car. It's also worse than a base model 400Z. Uh well, yeah, actually, because you have to account for the fact that a manual one would be slower than an automatic, and it's like twenty grand more expensive than it's a base 400Z. Not worth it. I just don't get it. The the trim on that car the trims on that car don't make any sense to me yeah victoria scott's doing a review of the 400z nismo right now and um yes and turbos are worse than NA. is correct um but the 400z or yeah victoria scott's doing a review of the 400z and i really want to see what her take is because i have full faith and her like opinion on vehicles especially because Victoria typically does, like, it's not quite a long-term test result, but it's a lot, I feel like she audits the vehicle for a, a lot more time than an average, like, car magazine reviewer. Yeah, no, she does. And another thing that Victoria's really good at is um, she doesn't just look at a car compared to everything else in the market. She doesn't do, like, the Doug DeMiro, where it's like, we're going to compare a Mitsubishi Mirage to a Countach. Like, no, that's not how, nobody's going to cross-shop that. Like, she looks at it, like, as the car is itself. Right. And what that car personally can do. Objectively. Yeah. yeah, Absolutely. Because the thing is, is you can always compare it to other things in the market, which, yeah, comparing it to other things in the market is obviously part of your job. Mm -hmm. But there is a lack of car reviewers that look at a car based on its own merits. Right. And uh, that's where she excels, is she looks at the actual merits of the car. Right. And that's why I read her reviews and why I love her reviews more than, you know, everybody else that goes, okay, we're going to compare the Mirage to everything else that's in this uh, that's in this class. It's like, no, you should probably compare this Mirage to other things that people are going to be buying for $10,000. Or how about modern vehicles you can't really buy a bad one so nobody cares if you're comparing them like oh do these both have abs how many liters of truck space yeah. it doesn't matter no People are not buying cars for that yeah. right now 
So yeah, analyzing those things on their own, I'm like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't want to know about the other. I've already researched the other cars. Yeah, like people are watching this mid-form content just to get a good idea of what that car is like. Yeah, and I think that's our thing is like the auto reviewers that are doing the let's list off statistics and find out who has the best aggregated score, mm-hmm. their jobs are going to become AI. Mm-hmm. Like that's oh, where yeah. AI is going to go. Whereas you have people like Victoria, they're actually telling you a story and actually telling you like giving you what the car feels like to live with that that's not going to become AI because that's something where you need mm-hmm. to tangibly actually experience the vehicle before you can give that opinion. All right. So yeah, Mazda, I think will do well if this comes to market, which it should. And I think I'm going to say it will come to market because I'm going to will this into existence. Well, I hope your will is strong enough because yeah, we obviously love how it looks. We love the straight six. And even to your point, even if it's a hybrid, even if it's a mild hybrid, fine. But that engine's going to sound terrific, and I really hope that my mostly dead friend is not fully dead. Yes. Anyway, moving on to stuff that isn't dead at all. I, I want to talk about an article I was, I was perusing this morning, and it, was, it has to do with Hyundai Kia. So they obviously are leading the way with really, really high-quality consumer EVs right now. Yeah. But, I mean, you've been around me long enough. You've been around other EV owners long enough. Where you, there are certain barriers to entry, especially in Minnesota when you are yeah. looking to buy an EV. And a lot of that is if you're a homeowner, you need to figure out maybe a permanent charger, EVSE yes. installation. But there's a lot of people that buy things like Model 3s, EV6s, Ionic 5s that live in apartments, they live in yep. townhomes where they can't modify their structure, yeah. where they might be limited to level one or no charging at all. <laughs> Hyundai Kia has decided that, I mean, it's a really, it's a cheeky little thing that they're doing for publicity. I clicked on the wrong link. <laughs> um, do, 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 do. Uh, that's down there. This one. Sorry, I put them in the wrong order. I, no, I put them in the wrong order. It's my fault. No, it's all good. Um, they are now offering with the Ionic 5, the Ionic 6, and I believe even the Kia offerings, so the EV6, if you buy one of these things, not only will they they'll give you a Hyundai Kia internet-linked EVSE for your home, they will pay you, well, or an electrician, to install it. So they'll deal Whoa. with the permitting, they'll deal with all the cost of actually... What? Which is 800 to to 1000 bucks usually. It's a pretty that's good... That's really cool. Yeah, no, that's awesome. But the people that buy these that don't own a home with a garage, which that's a lot of people, can't reap the benefits of this. And I, I just thought it was a little bit tone deaf. Because yeah. you're selling an efficient long-range EV to somebody that is trying to, quote-unquote, do the right thing, but, I mean, a massive number of people, and I think it's even more accelerating now with the cost of homes, yeah, they don't, don't live own. in their own home. And they, yeah. they have no means to do an EVSE install. I just, so, no. Yeah, no, this isn't, I mean, see where they're going with this. It's a good idea, but. This is a very good idea in, like, 2004 economy. <laughs> right. Which I think um, that's some, there's something to be said for that because if you think of how long it takes for people to like work up the corporate ladder, mm-hmm. the people that made this decision, yeah, they graduated college and they, you know, were a young adult in that economy, yeah. that pre-recession economy, where yeah, you could just own a home, anybody could get a mortgage, like it doesn't matter, like right. your house will forever go up in value because that's how things work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, hmm, 
that might be exactly what happened here is it sounds like this is somebody that's just like been in the corporate world and just like they bought their house a million years ago and it's kind of like you know I'm very pro term limits in Congress and this is oh my god yeah, kind of the nice. same problem where <laughs> yeah. it's like this is clearly a decision that was made based off of a perception of the world that occurred 20 years ago I agree it's like uh, look at the the first gen Tesla Roadster when that came out the car came essentially with this too mm-hmm. but you had to pay for the installation yeah but it had a proprietary connector like all teslas do no. and there was no infrastructure so yeah. if you couldn't charge at home you literally couldn't drive your car yeah but now there are a lot of public chargers and there's more incentive to have more of them out there so i mean uh, w- these are only sold with vehicles with large batteries yeah the the issue behind home charging isn't what it was 10 15 years ago no and it now isn't what it is with modern heat pump equipped large battery vehicles. So I'm just like I'm, I'm wondering if you don't own a home, if you have an apartment, would they give you a similar discount? They should, but they don't. That's shitty. So I think okay. they, they should give you a cashback discount, or they should give you a charge credit for like a charge. Well, network. I think that there's another thing that Hyundai is not considering here is like their brand is really tarnished. From the Kia Boys. Kia Boys, yeah. Like, <laughs> well, and not only, yeah, it's the, it's the response to the Kia Boys. We've solved it, but you have to pay for the fix. Well, it's beyond that. Like, there's that, yes. But then there's also the, like, the corporate, um, I guess, kind of mindset of what do we need to do? Let's not do more. And that's what it seemed, that's what it felt like with the, you look very confused. Uh, Scott sent me a link that GM's doing this apparently with the boats oh, okay. as well, so I was just trying to pre-read a little bit. But um, no, I think with uh, Hyundai Kia, like their whole problem is that they've always had this mindset of let's do the bare minimum that's required. This right. is what we're doing. Right. And now it's kind of you can't really trust them. Like, well, okay, yeah. yeah, like everybody in the world put immobilizers in their car except for Hyundai Kia because nobody told them to do that. And like steering locks. Yeah. When I first bought my first Fiat 500, I couldn't believe that it didn't have a steering lock. I'm like, this is weird. Like, I thought this was a requirement for every vehicle. Wait, they don't? No, your 500 you just, doesn't have a steering lock. You can just twist the wheel with the key out? Yeah. Fuck off. Hang on. <laughs> well, let me. I'll talk about one the bolt thing as Ryan goes and checks that. Uh, apparently, Scott, our number one longtime patron, sent me a link that says GM is actually doing the same thing with a, a 48 amp charge point uh, EVSE. I didn't see anything in this article about the the cost that they would cover. I do know that Hyundai Kia will cover up to $600 in the installation, and that's for essentially a breaker and a 1450 outlet in addition to the EVSE hardware that they're paying for. I mean, it's really, really nice that they offer (laughs) Ryan just discovered that what I said was true Fiat's do not have steering locks Um, luckily they're manual so thieves can't drive them Uh, I I don't know what do you think about this I I like the fact that they're trying to incentivize and they you know they understand that charging is an issue for people and maybe it's a value add for somebody that's on the fence for one of these things, and maybe you know, I don't know, the credit going away or being reduced kind of soured them enough where they're not really ready to pull the trigger. But I don't think that's going to be enough of a, a shiny object, a fishing lure, to really get these people in. I think this would be good for people. Yeah, like for people who own houses, this is great. Right. Yeah, and if you were going to buy one anyway, it's a nice perk. And so I guess, hmm. Also, yeah, no, you're right. There's no steering lock in the Fiat. Wow, that's well, crazy. Yeah. Uh, cause I'm pretty sure that's federally mandated. I'm surprised that it isn't, but 
I don't know. That's something we should look into. <laughs> Our steering log's mandated. But I mean, I come back to this, like, especially with this new federal infrastructure bill, we've been talking so much about it, the push to J3400 being a standard, which is next. All of this stuff just seems like, I don't know, did you cut a deal with ChargePoint just because you've got a bunch of these J1772 EVSEs and you can, like, write off some of the expense? I'm really not sure. Oh, okay. What's up? It's a key locking system, so the vehicle cannot be started without the key. Uh, a lot of manufacturers, or the car cannot be operated without the key in it. So a lot of manufacturers went to use a steering lock, so it was the easiest way of doing that. Oh, okay, sure. So that's why not every car has that. But yeah, it's very weird having a car without a steering lock. It's sometimes really handy, like if you have to move a manual yeah. car on a driveway no, or something, it's, it's like, oh, let me do my key, it's fine. Well, I, <laughs> that's a, I've not experienced that like for a long time, because the last car I experienced that, actually it was James Buick, but the first one I experienced it in was in Trigg's Bel Air, because Trigg had a 57 Bel Air for a sure. minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, that didn't have a steering lock, and like... It totally blew my mind when like, I turned the steering wheel and go, why can I do this? Like, this is so weird to me. I drove a 2012 Escalade ESV. No steering lock. I'm weird. Like, uh... That's so strange. <laughs> no, it's just one of those things. As if I'm driving E30s and old 190Es. Like, they have all of these features. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I just thought that that was a thing. Yeah, I, just, I thought it was, too. <laughs> um, but anyway, with this uh, home charger thing, there's, I was also thinking when I was on the way back from the Fiat. <laughs> Um, you had some time to... <laughs> well, yeah, so I wonder if this is a way of trying to move their image like more to more of a suburbanite sort of image for car owners. Whether they want it to or not, that's what's happening. Well, I think that they're doing that on purpose because they were... Um, oh, yeah, Scott agrees with you. Yeah. The first-ring suburbs are the ones who would use this. Rich outer suburbs don't need it, and city folk live in multifamily. It's a pure PR move. Yeah, because yeah, like, the thing is, is they've always kind of been known for being the cheap car people. Mm-hmm. And being the cheap, safe, affordable car for everyone got them to the Kia boys. And now they're trying to be, okay, let's try to be more like a Subaru where we find a niche. Sure. And their niche is going to be family people live in the suburbs. Yeah. And that's kind of what they're going after. I mean, look it's, at the demographic of people that are currently driving EV6s and Ionic 5s. It's them. Yeah. You don't see those in inner cities. I mean, they're big cars. They really are. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I see, there's, uh, there's a few that I see. But I live close enough to Summit Hill where it's... Fair enough. They still may have off-street parking, too. Yeah. But I, I get you. It's, but, yeah, no, that's, um, yeah, that's a, uh, that, yeah, that's weird PR move thing. And then also, Scott said that there are $45,000 cars that real people can't afford new. And that's very true. Um, and I think a lot of people can't afford it. I think a lot of people lease them. Like nobody actually buys these. Probably, especially because, at least as I understand it, you can still take take advantage of the tax credit with it, the lease. So it's funny. Uh, when I'm at work, I have to look at every car fax that comes through to like, make sure cars you know not like totaled out or like a flood car or a <laughs> sure. lemon or something. It is incredible how many kind of like relatively normal cars yeah. were just leases as their first car. Like how many single owner cars show two owners on a Carfax. Yeah. Because the first part was a lease. Like pretty much every car that I write that's not a sports car or a BMW or a Mercedes or like you know like a luxury car like that. Yeah. Everything that's not that or a sports car or a truck has had a lease on it. That's really surprising because I mean I personally have never considered leasing a vehicle. Yeah. For me it just feels like I'm leaving residual value on the table. But I know that there must be 
it's the situations and, and uh, circumstances where people like and do with it. With new cars, it is so helpful. Um, First model year, I could see that yeah. being extremely and so, helpful. I'm actually a big fan of leasing. Like, If you can do it, if you're looking for a new car and you're trying to buy it and you don't care about having literally just one name on the Carfax, that's the only reason I could ever consider not leasing it. Because you get a monthly payment. If you end up not actually liking the car, you can just leave the lease. Like once you're done with it. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you just pay like the six hundred dollar whatever, so, like a disassociation <laughs> the, the fee. The breakup fee. Yeah. It's like a six hundred dollar <laughs> fee to like not buy it out, but it's like that's fine. But <laughs> I basically what you pay on a lease is you just pay what the expected depreciation is of the vehicle. So people with like Hyundai's right now mm-hmm. that lease oh, them. Yeah, they're probably they are smart. so <laughs> in the money. Because <laughs> yeah. it's kinda like um <clears throat> I guess it's kind of like putting a put on a car. You know what, you know what put yeah, is? I sure yeah. do. It's kind of like doing a put, but like with a car. Yeah. Um, where it's like you have this contract in which you have the option to purchase it um, at some point in the future, right. like once you're done with the lease. And yeah. once the lease is done, if you don't, if you haven't purchased it, then you just give it back, and then you just had your you just bought you bought you bought your contract and you let it expire. Right. Um. So yeah, that's that's kind of like the way I, I look at it. And if like if you want something like if you're looking for something like a BRZ or Civic Type R or something like that, where it's a performance car but it's brand new, you want to get it fresh. Well, don't want if it's a first model year car. Yeah, well, even even oh, not the first model year, you can actually like you you can usually save a lot of money because like it's also the lease is based off national sales data, not local. Hmm. So for instance, Subaru's lease super well up here because Subarus hold their value like crazy in Northern States. Yeah. yeah. But they're totally dogged by places like Texas where cool. Now you just have a shittier Corolla for your Impreza. Like and way more maintenance costs. Cause you get yeah. more moving parts. Yeah. You've got to get for you. you <laughs> worse fuel economy and a less reliable vehicle for your equivalent to a Camry or a Corolla or like a forerunner. Um, Ugh. but the thing is, is like in Minnesota, you're like, Hey, actually all wheel drive is kind of nice. You're like, you know, drive commuting like yeah. and i don't want to have to worry about like black ice almost ever and like stuff like that like with well, when you have snow tires on yeah right. oh there we go okay. yeah like obviously like <laughs> assuming that you're a responsible driver but like that's the thing in minnesota subarus are worth like way more so by the time you're out of that lease like yeah. you how you can actually take a car off a lease and if you take it and you actually sell it like you could sell it like a day after Sure. And still make like a couple hundred bucks over your disassociation fee. No, I, which I, is like I know that's cool. been common in the past, yeah. and even to your point with like a more interesting, like a sporty car. Yeah, your nationally based whatever. Yeah, the car might be way more desirable in your market, so you could buy out your lease at exactly. whatever that rate was, and yeah. yeah, make a make a buck. And like, well, there's also so when you have the lease figures, mm-hmm. they don't consider for like weird, like special editions. Okay. So oh, like the Nismo 400C. No, I'm thinking like, you know how Porsche has a billion special editions of their cars? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is true. Yeah. You can limit a lease in Minnesota. <laughs> That's um, but you know how like Porsche has a million special editions I of their sure cars? do. Well, all those cars at lease level are just this 911, you know, Carrera 4 right. with a manual. <laughs> That's like crazy, ridiculous special edition mm-hmm. is still from its VIN level nine eleven Carrera four. Yeah. So the doesn't, crazy, doesn't color the, the crazy the weird, yeah, yeah. It, could, it could be ruby stone red with individual leather. 
and then like a track package. <laughs> sport Chrono, or some shit. yeah, like it'd be Sport Chrono with like the back seat removed. <laughs> nice. And it, yeah, it'd I'm be liking a, how this. Car yeah, happens. so it'd be like a really wacky Porsche, but at the lease level, it would still be just nine eleven Carrera four, <laughs> right? Yeah, what's uh, your, your title? Your, <laughs> your normal basic gray on black like leather like with PDK. The- just normal vanilla one, no sport chrono or anything. And then that's where you can like a lot of people buy these cars or lease them. Yeah. Like get on that list, like get the like one hundred that were made for that year. Yeah. Lease it, buy out the lease, and then sell it immediately thereafter on like an auction site. And then make like twenty grand. Yeah. Like that's that's, that's probably a play. And All then right. and then you get to own like a cool weird Porsche. Like that's the thing. Yeah. And yeah, if if you go into it with the intention of buying out the yeah. lease, I have no issue with it. But it's like if you were to just lease a car and then you turn it in after three years and you lease into the car it's a cheaper monthly payment, so I get like if you just want to commute, and you don't care. Yeah, if if you need an appliance, that's what a lot of people do that for. But yeah, no, leasing is actually a really cool and interesting thing that a lot of people do not give the credit to. But it is one of the most interesting ways to like get into car ownership because you can get into like a lot more expensive of a car yeah. for a lot less money or get weird model and like be right side up on it when you're done and actually have equity in the car, which is like rare. Obviously don't, you know, assume you're going to keep equity in your car. Right. But like that's one of those things where you, you could actually get equity sometimes. I've seen companies out there that will allow you to lease a used car. Like, you will find a car, and the hmm. company will buy it outright and lease it to you. It's it's more common that's, with, like, exotics and things yeah, like that. Yeah, that makes sense. That's interesting. And I think it's that point. Like, you can own that car. You can drive it, use it as your car for a much lower monthly payment, but you just don't get the residual. That exactly, goes to that yeah. company that you're leasing yeah. the car from. So that's, that, actually, that's a really good way to... That was a wacky... Yeah. That's, that's a good way to own those, to like make money like from the company's perspective. Half of MNENS is leased. Oh, yeah. Leased. No, that's what I joke about. Every every supercar... <laughs> like It's like when I'm like walking around looking at like Supercar Saturday, I'm like walking around with Colin or something. I mm-hmm. said, look for the ones that are modified like majorly. and Or like the ones that are personalized like mm-hmm. outside of a final wrap. Right, and yeah. he's like, "Why?" I'm like, "Because those are the ones that the guy actually owns. He's not just leasing them. <laughs> like, if you see one that's just like a totally stock, like Lamborghini, whatever. What, what's the equivalent of the Huracan? Right? No, it's a Huracan. It's a fancy Aventador. Yeah, if you get a Aventador, like SVJ or whatever. Oh yeah, like that's a lease. Yeah, like 100%. no question. <laughs> like that's not a lease. Okay, prove it. I want you to do a burnout on this right now. <laughs> Like, I want you to be irresponsible to prove to me that this is not a lease. Yeah, do burnout in your all-wheel drive single clutch. Yeah, yeah, or whatever. Like, well, I, I don't know, know do saying. a donut or something. Like, just oh. be an idiot in the car. Do something. But, like, I don't know. That's, I just don't care about modern supercars. Oh, I, was no, actually, no. I was having a really good conversation about this last night at Keg and Case. Um, I mentioned that my whole thing about McLaren not doing it for me. And... Um, I was saying, like, the thing is, is that when you get a supercar, you have to live with this thing. Like, uh, it, like a McLaren, like, they light on fire sometimes. Good. That's what they, they should. Do. You should have that problem. You should absolutely have to worry by owning a supercar. Because, like, when you own a supercar, every supercar has weird problems. Like, the Ferrari. What, what weird shit do you have to deal with on the Ferrari oh, that other people don't get? There's actually a hose clamp on that car that was recalled. It was a $9 part. For a hose clamp, and it will light the car on fire. Yep. Okay. Yep. Perfect. Good. Yep. What what weird livability concerns do you have to account for, outside of just like driving low car? That's worth a lot of money. 
Actually, kind of none. It's, I guess it's really worse. livable. It's, yeah, I guess it's the, the Lamborghini right. is much worse. Yeah, I guess. Well, I mean, yours you have to rip it in half to like do a clutch, like literally. So. Actually, the clutch you don't, but to do timing belts, you yeah, do. you have to do the timing belts, which yeah. is so, so backwards. Yeah, you got into this like, and it's like the Lamborghini. Like, what weird shit does Mark have to deal with? Mm, like, a brand, okay, here we go. So there's a random and occasional, but very not that often, coolant leak on the right rocker. That's perfect. Yeah, it just happens. That's a weird thing. It happens once every couple of years, and then it just doesn't. Does it do like weird things? Is it like impossible to get into particularly, like it, relative to a normal car? It's extremely uncomfortable. Yeah, it's uh, terrible to live with. How's the air conditioner? Oh, the heat's actually stuck on. Oh, good. So you don't use the HVAC in that car. Okay, cool. Yep, yep there you go. Yep. See, these are livability problems. Yep. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, oh, here's the one that happens to all Murcielagos. You cannot drive that car with the traction control on. Oh, why? It will activate itself. While you are driving in all Mercy Lagos. That's hilarious. Yep. See, this one. You I'm actually about. have to drive Mercy Lagos with the traction control off. Yeah, so these are things I'm talking about. Like, McLaren fixed all that. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't that. care about those. <laughs> like, that's not good. <laughs> Mark knows all this shit now, too, which is funny. Yeah. Like, he's, no, that's he's not, a more regular. He likes cars, but he's not an enthusiast. No, but this is a thing. Like, you have to explain to Mark, like, this is, the, this is what makes a supercar a supercar. Absolutely. Because you are paying a premium to have the privilege of having to deal with these problems. Correct. Like the rock hard seats with no padding, the terrible yeah. visibility, the heater that doesn't work properly. Yeah. And the, also the traction control having to be shut off. Yeah. Like and if you start internet, driving it, it will start like bucking until you hit that button and shut yeah, it off. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. This is exactly what I love about an actual supercar. Mm-hmm. If you have to live with bullshit like that, that's mm-hmm. great. And yeah, like McLaren, like if you're lighting on fire every now and then, then good. You should be. Like you should have to worry a little bit. Ooh, found one on the Ferrari. Hmm. They foul... Okay, so in the springtime, yes. when I move that car, yeah. you can move it twice, short engine run periods, before you completely foul out a set of plugs. That's what I'm talking about. That's it's, it's such a, a ridiculous livability issue. problem. You have to take it for like a 20-minute drive, otherwise you will foul plugs. That's hilarious. Yeah. Perfect. Yep, that's what I mean. That, that's a real proper supercar. Also, the debate on the forums about which plugs are correct for that car is hilarious. And I'm assuming it's probably a champion or something. <laughs> I, oh, like, I, I would put, not be a champion. I put Denso Iridiums in it when I bought it because I just didn't care. Yeah. But like now there is a specific like Maserati part number NGK that is what you have to use. Because they don't fall. Oh, and there's a different plug for Motronic oh 2.7 and 5.2 cars. Um, you have to run a colder plug in the later cars. If you get that part number from Maserati, I bet you could probably buy it from the Chrysler dealership. Probably. Because is it the same one that you'd find like a Maserati Ghibli? I doubt it. Okay. The plugs are like... They're like, they look like snowmobile plugs. They're super narrow. Oh, weird. Okay, so it's a totally different thing. But I know that Maserati, Maserati Ghibli, the V6, mm-hmm. he uses a Wrangler spark plug. Same heat oh, range and yeah. everything. Same part number from, from NGK. Very fine. But the Maserati part number versus Chrysler part number are different, even though oh, yeah. the NGK number is the same. Mm-hmm. And so you could just buy it from the Chrysler dealership and save yourself like literally $90 on plugs. This is why I bought my timing belts from Deco and not from Ferrari. Yeah. Because exactly. the Ferrari belts say Deco in the part number, and then there's prancing horses on it. The Deco ones are Deco, Deco part number, and then... Deco. Deco. Yep, good. And also, they're much fresher. Because if you buy a set of timing belts for a 355 from a Ferrari dealer, they're always a year old or more. Nope. Just from sitting. I'm like, nope. Nope, nope, nope. nope. No, I, want, from, I want a I'm new from, set of belts. Buy them from Deco. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. So anyway, Italian cars are terrible, but I love them. Well, I want to talk about cars that are good. Let's do it. I want to talk about a car that's a brand that's relevant for the first time in 20 years. Honda. <laughs> and you're going, why is Ryan excited about Honda? I had to click into this when I saw it in the notes. And I'm, ah, I see now. Yes. 
So it's the the, the new the Moto Compacto. I really love that name. I know so it's much. a really good name. It's the, the successor to the Moto Compo, as in it's a electric scooter that is designed to fit in the trunk of your car. Very fun. Um, it has they have the specs further down here. Let me get to them. And it does kind of look like a bird scooter that somebody put a Moto Compo like body kit on, but I'm guessing and a seat, obviously. But I'm guessing there's a lot more under the hood to that. Yeah. So it weighs 41 pounds. That's it's as thin as a suitcase. Um, whereas the Moto Compo weighed 99 pounds, which is a lot heavier. Um, Look how cute he is. The Moto, the, um, Moto Compo, so for reference. Moto the, Compacto? No, the Moto Compo, okay. by reference, had 2.5 horsepower, 2.7 pound-feet of torque. It can go up to 31 miles an hour. The Moto Compacto has a top speed rated at 15 miles an hour, um, it, but it's likely weight-dependent. Um, the Moto Compo had a 0.58 gallon fuel tank. Uh, it got 165 miles per gallon um, cr- while cruising at 30 kilometers per hour. Um, so it's about 95 miles. In the real world, uh, you're getting like 80 on a Moto Compo. A Moto Compacto only has a 12 mile range, and it, but it takes 3.5 hours to charge from a 110 volt outlet. So this is why I'm thinking. You park your car in parking ramp, you take your Moto Compacto out, you scooter to your office, you plug that into your wall at your desk, that's where that exists. Because nobody, no, nobody in their right mind is driving a Moto Compo 95 miles. Mm-mm. No, that's probably a season worth of fuel. Yeah, no, you're, you're never doing that. And that 95, that 95 mile range is for a 100 pound moped. Like, no, that's you're not going to do that. That's this is the worst thing you could possibly take for 95 miles. You'd be so tired. Oh of my it. goodness, yeah. But like ergonomically, they weren't great. But that's yeah. because they were designed to fit in the trunk of a vehicle. Exactly. But this is one where they were a lot more realistic for um, what they're uh, going to be used for. I like that cutaway. Yeah, the cutaway is pretty cool about like what it actually looks like uh, underneath. Uh, are you ready for the price? Sure. There have been other attempts at reviving the Moto Compo, some from Honda, some from others. So, the Moto Compacto is the first official release from Honda. Currently, seems to have only be offered in white. Um, well, that's good. I mean, the Moto Compos, I think, were. It will be white. here. We go. Sorry, I got to the sentence here. It will be available at Honda and Acura dealerships starting this November at a sticker price of nine hundred ninety-five dollars. I love it. That's honestly Hell pretty yeah. reasonable. That's incredible. A thousand bucks for that awesome machine. I would absolutely buy that. So yeah, it's very cute. I am put. I'm going to be buying one of these. <laughs> no question. Oh, look at these close-up shots. Yeah, they're really oh. good. I mean, I wonder how they got those torqued down without scraping the finish. That's, they have to use aluminum wrenches, right? Like AN fittings. I wonder, oh, I, I wonder if they have like clear-coated the wrenches. I wouldn't put it past Honda. Let's yeah, be real. The, yeah. Hopefully, it comes with some fancy aluminum clear-coated yeah. wrenches. But that's, that's a pretty, very, very cute boy. Yeah, so this is the first Honda product I've wanted since the <laughs> FD2 Civic, since Kimmy's Civic. That was the last Honda product that I really I was going to say, because we just talked about the Integra not that long ago. Yeah. We're like, you are irrelevant. Stop it. Yeah. And no. since then, like the Integra Type S has come out, and it's Which, a technically good car, but it's still boring because it's huge. Yeah, no, it's a massive vehicle. Massive. Um, no. It was the, so it goes EK, nothing. Nothing. First gen fit. FD two. Nothing, 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 nothing. 
Moto Compacto. Yes. So also Moto Compacto is a fabulous name. It's a great name. Yeah. And I love the nod to the Moto Compo. Yeah. Not only in the name, but the styling. Yeah. It's like, no, it's it's totally a modern Moto Compo. Like I love that. Like this is this is Honda like actually respecting their heritage. Jeez. Like making cool things. So yeah, I will absolutely be buying a Moto Compacto for next year. Very like, I look forward to seeing it at car shows. Yeah, no, actually I think no, I could ride that to twelve miles. Um one second here. Fine. I'm just doing. I'm looking up directions. Are you doing some maths? I want to see if I could feasibly get from my house to Cars and Crafts on a Moto Compacto. Oh sure, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know about trails or whatnot, but I, I mean, the range should be just fine. I would have to think. I mean, you don't live that far from St. Paul Brewing. No, 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 because no, it's at um, Bent. Uh, I, I can do it. There's a side, yeah. there's a side road. My commute's 10.2 miles, and I think that's a longer jaunt to the same area, so you should be good. All right, yeah, it is, it's going to be the edge of the range of that. It's, and you have to plug it in for three miles. and a half hours. It's oh, six you'll miles. Be fine. You'll yeah. be fine. Even so, my terrible scooter thing can do that. So Yeah, it's six miles, and I can use side roads the whole way. Well, speaking of car manufacturers nodding to their history and heritage with cute yes. stuff, <laughs> I was looking for more Fiat 500e uh, information, but instead of that, I've very good. And it, this article does contain some information about the 500e coming to the United States, but I do love that the Autopian focused entirely on the 1962. Perfect. What was the color I put in the Oasis Desert Oasis Blue 1962 Fiat 500? Love it. It's beautiful. It's showroom fresh, and apparently people were just breaking their necks at this auto show amongst a huge pile of terrible giant SUVs. And this lovely little blue Fiat 500. Yeah, that's the one you want. You want the little car. Like, yeah, that's... Why weird. would you not look at the cute little guy? Yeah, no, you, the, the thing is, you gotta get the pricing right. Like, you can't sell a car that's this small for, like, $30,000. But if you sell a basic one... Well, I think we're probably only going to get the big battery on the 500. Well, no, but. Well, no what, I, what I'm saying is like selling small cars in America. If sure. you sell the basic one, like it's been proven, like the Fiat 500 Pop, the Mirage, those oh, yeah. sustained their companies being very small vehicles. Mm-hmm. Like, are you going to sell F-150 numbers? No. Be realistic. It doesn't matter. No. Are you ever... Well, the thing is, if you're considering making a car this small, are you ever going to sell F-150 numbers in America? No. Are you going to be profitable with a car like this? Yes. Yeah. The Mirage like saved Mitsubishi's ass, and I think what Fiat did was like that, that brought them to America. That mm-hmm. got their door open. Then, then uh, after Sergio Marchione died, um, Chrysler let him down the vine because Chrysler is immune to making money. Um, and with that, I still don't really fully understand why they're bringing the new 500e to the states, but I'm really happy that they are because there's a hole in the market for small EVs definitely true like that's just the fact like that's true because i think the spark is gone now there's nothing for small cars like and and the there's yeah like people want 500s there's been like a call for them like people have wanted them it's just the thing is when they got rid of the 500 like back in what 2017 18 Uh, i actually don't know what year they stopped i want to say it was a little later than that i think you'd get an, uh, an 18 yeah i think like 2018 when they stopped making the Original 500 had been around since like 2007. With no updates. Yeah. Yeah. It like, launched in Europe in 08 and it launched here in 2011. Yeah. And so it's like, okay. The people that like, wanted one bought one and it didn't break. Yeah. So. It didn't break. So I don't need a new one. Exactly. Like, it's, 
it's kind of like the Beatle thing. Like the Beatle, they sold a billion Beatles, and then they didn't do anything with it. And then they made a new generation of the Beatle, and then they sold a few more. But then but Diesel you do need to update. Yeah. Yes, it did. You do need to update your product once in a but while. But like when you look at like the Yaris, the Fit, things like that. Mm-hmm. Like until they lost their way, they were doing just fine. Mm-hmm. And like the Fit, like the Fit, like it was the Honda. Like every generation of Fit was worse than the generation before it, and every generation of Fit got worse to live with. And that's why people stopped buying them. Is they got rid of the buttons on the radio for like a car for old people. Oh my God. Like the ID four. Yeah. Like no Honda was Honda's their own worst like enemy. The reason that the fit went away is not because people don't want small cars. It's because they were making a bad one. Mm-hmm. Like they got made them expensive, but like when you the cross Versa still exists, thing? like, Oh my God. Yeah. They, but they've been updating the Versa. All right. They make a cheap <laughs> shitty car here. They do. Yeah. yeah. That's what we need. Like, oh, man. I've been saying this. Like, that's like been my thesis for this entire season. Like, the the entire year has been me saying that America doesn't have enough shitty cars. Like, we don't, and the 500E won't be because it's going to be a, a long range, yeah. expensive EV. But like, but... When, when you get to like, why are manufa- why why is Fiat bringing that here? Because we need a small car. We like, do a small form factor EV. I 100 percent agree. Yeah, and so and but the thing is, like, with that small car is like, yeah, EV, okay, like. This is going to be one of the cheapest TVs that you can get. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be a, ch- a relatively speaking yeah. cheap, shitty car. Yeah. Um, it's going to be an EV commuter. Um, but like with like gas engines, all the cars that were small that survived, like, yeah, you have the performance version to make them like get people excited about it. Cause yeah. everybody gets excited about the Abarth. Right. Nobody buys the Abarth. Right. You go into the dealer and you buy the pop. Yeah. But the Abarth <laughs> brings you in. Right. Absolutely. And that's the thing. Like, with the Mirage, I can't help but think, like, man, if they made a Mirage, like, if they had did, if they did any marketing with the Mirage R5 rally car. Oh, yes. Like, oh, that would have been so good. the fact that I had to tell uh, the owner of White Bear Mitsubishi that that existed and he got excited about that, that's just, like, like mind-blowing to me that, like, why, why are you sleeping on this? Like, you don't even have to sell it here. You just have to say, hey, remember that cute little car? Yeah, we take that racing, too. Don't worry. We're still Mitsubishi. The, I think the dealers are were when that still was sold. They were within their rights to make like a rally art homage. I'm sure, like they could put rally art decals on it, put yeah, mud totally, flaps yeah. on it. They could yeah. do all that and little OZ wheels or something. And the thing is, like nobody knew that this was happening. Like right. I did because I'm a Mirage nerd. <laughs> right. Like I think Mirages are the coolest cars in the world. But like I had to tell a million people about this. But um, mm-hmm. like if you look at the Yaris, like the Yaris is cool because like all right, was a GR Yaris in Europe. Like we don't even get it so here. Cool. But, like, that makes people go, oh, look at the cool small car. Like, that's the thing. It's like, and yeah. homologation at that point. Um, too. Ameri- that America needs more small cars. This is what I'm getting to at the end of this. America needs more small cars. And, and cute ones at that. Yeah. And we need, like, it's okay to make them stinky and cheap. Like, yes. that's what's going to sell. Like, you don't need to fully load it. No. Sure, have an option for a fully loaded one, but that's not what you send to dealers. That's what you have to order ahead. And that's where manufacturers get it wrong. They yeah, only they do ship it the other you way the, around. Yeah, they yeah. ship you the high option start editions that nobody can afford, and then yeah. nobody buys them. They're like, well, nobody bought the car you said you all wanted. Yeah. Because like, you... Because you shipped it with the most powerful powertrain, the biggest battery, all the options. Like nobody can afford that. Yeah. No. They want like, the stripper. Yeah. Exactly. Give me the EcoBoost Mustang. Like. Right. Like I can't afford the V8, but I'll take the EcoBoost, I guess, because it still looks like a Mustang. Mm-hmm. That's not me personally, but that's Mustang owner. And it won't blow up the transmission as fast. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, I want to talk about more good things with Fiat. Um, so, 
I found the correct vector for the urbanist commuter, and oh, this God. is the Fiat Topolino. So oh, cute. Which is the Fiat version. That's just the ME, isn't Amin. it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what's crazy about this is they've, uh, they have an MSRP after um, all the rebates and everything in Italy. It'll be about uh, 8000 US dollars. Okay. Uh, they have 10000 pre-orders. Yes. For a car that fits exactly two people and one bag of groceries. They're selling 10,000 of these when the same car is already available. Like, that's what I'm saying. It was just. Yeah, but they Italians say- love that aesthetic. Oh, and yeah. And the streets totally. of Italy need things like this. I think even the streets of inner city America. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm just. When I have a soccer game that happens in front of my house, like, <laughs> it's just so funny watching somebody with a big ass truck have to go block after block after block after block. When there are several spaces. Yeah, there's spaces that my Fiat fits in perfectly. Yes. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go on a walk, and I just walk eastbound because that's away from the stadium. And then I get like six blocks away from my house that's already three blocks away from the stadium. Yeah. And I finally see that dumbass truck. <laughs> like, dude has it literally is another bus, like another light rail station away Very from good. the stadium from where he started. Good. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I, I miss that so much about my old 500E. Yeah. yeah, you could literally put it anywhere. Yeah, they're great. It's a half a car. Yeah. Like, I absolutely love that. And, like, somebody said that to me as a joke once, and I've just, like, totally owned up it, up to it. I'm like, yeah, no, this is a half of a car. Yeah, parking's fantastic. Yeah, this is great. And this is a half a car. Look at how short he is. He's and so it's good. got, like, the 1950s edition wheels style on it. It's a mint with wheels on it. Yeah, I love that. It's just like, a little Fiat mint. And that's the thing is, like, it's eight grand. Like, it doesn't, you don't need everything. You know what? This is not going to have. Mm. navigation oh. apple carplay <laughs> like self-driving oh my goodness you can get it with ropes hell yeah and a tin roof or a uh, canvas uh, roof can- yeah. canvas roof oh my Lanta. a rollback canvas roof oh. or canvas roof right it's too it's too cute it has one wiper oh yeah you don't need two two yeah. would cost extra money but like this is the thing is like america yeah we like the concept of having options but we don't want to pay for it like <laughs> Make a version of this with Nav and have that be where you can get it, but have the one at the dealership be the vanilla one. And the, yeah, if they In sold a them color. here, we would need them to be more powerful because I think these are limited to like 40 or 45 miles an hour. Yeah, but it's also $8,000. I understand. Well, it also has to be a lot wider. But I mean, you could do like a smart car where you just widen the rear end because you always have to have the wheel bay, the, the track width of the car be wider. But. Yeah, like, you could totally have that. Look how tiny that license plate is. I love it. It's a motorcycle plate. Yeah, it's that's so great. great. That's so it. good. But yeah, you could bring. You could totally sell this in America. Like, it's not going to be a big numbers car, but, like, there's going to be somebody that needs something that's a little bit more than a Moto Compacto, but mm-hmm. doesn't quite want a 500, and that's where this thrives. So like, cute. Fiat isn't going to compete with, with Jeep. No. Like, Fiat excels here. This is Fiat. Which is it's super ironic because this is just a French car with some Italian crap stapled onto it. But, but like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, th- but like this size, this is where Fiat excels. Okay, like, it's on a boat. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Sorry. They just put it on the back of a yacht for some pictures. <laughs> yeah, so you can put it on the back of your yacht. So you, you you drive your yacht into Milan or not Milan, but Monaco. Yep. And then you ho- you take your old Fiat out, drive off. it onto the dock because yep. it's so small and light. Yeah, and then you go zip around uh, around uh, Monaco, and then you leave. I really, really like this. We'll get a, a cactus for comparison. Like, right, go back. Two two photos. 
Cactus for perspective. Yeah, well, it's a cactus for scale. Yeah, it's like a banana. Banana for scale. This is just the Italian version of the banana for scale. Yes, we have a small cactus. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, this is a great car. I want this. Like, I would totally buy this. Like, like I was saying. So, like, I we have the Lexus. We have our big car. Mm -hmm. I don't ever want to take the Lexus out to dinner. It's Mm -hmm. such a pain in the ass finding parking. So I drive my 124, not the Tesla. Yeah, it's such a pain in the ass doing anything with the Lexus. It's so fucking big. But like, and by modern standards, that's a compact car now. Yeah, it's probably smaller than an Integra. Oh, definitely. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, Buick's the size of an Integra. Like. (laughs) Like, ah, I want something smaller than the Fiat because like there's spots where I see the Fiat. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. Fiat will fit here, mm-hmm. and the Fiat won't. Oh, but I'm like, man, if the Fiat just didn't have a back seat, then it would fit. Yeah, and you you guys don't need a back seat most of the time, so I, yeah. So yeah. if I could just get a car, it's like a foot shorter, which is okay. <laughs> like, the, yeah, the the jokes we've had to deal with with having a, a very small A-segment car here and like, no, actually, I want it to be smaller. Yeah, I wish it was smaller. Like, I was saying, like, uh, last night I was talking to Robbie and I was saying, like, yeah, I think when I'm, when I've paid off the Fiat, I'm going to sell it. And we get a K-Van and she was like, oh, I don't know if you're ready for that. They're really slow. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, I've driven K-Vans. I'm aware. I don't think you understand. We have a fast car for the highway. That's the Lexus. Mm-hmm. I need... The smallest possible vehicle with the largest possible cargo volume. And I'm like, I told her, I said, specifically the one I want is a Suzuki Every. Uh, oh, my God. I can already tell by this. RX name. Turbo. And. Every or, RX Turbo? Yeah, I know. It's a crazy. Or every Turbo RX. That's what it's called. <laughs> uh, but basically, what that is, is that's a Suzuki Every K van, right? With the taller roof. I love it so much. So it's got the glass. Like pop up sunroof, yeah, and it has the Alto Works uh, twin cam turbo. Oh damn! Yeah, hell yeah, and a manual and rear wheel drive. Hell yes, yeah. That's that's I'm like very specific about the one I want. I'm like I know the trim level that will get me. That bad boy's gonna rust out so fast, but it's gonna be so cute. Yeah, it's fine. But actually, they don't. Well, if you undercoat, if you undercoat them, yeah, you'd have to. But sure. no, I've seen them at the because the U uses them. I've been watching them. They have this same vans. Yeah. So they've had a van that they've been using. They have never washed it. Not once. And it is a 2015. Okay. It has a little bit of crustiness around like hinges, but I mean, it's not it's, bad. It's not on roads, but I mean, I'm sure they still salt the sidewalks. So. Oh, no, it goes on roads. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what they used to drive between the main campus and the St. Paul campus. How many miles are on it, I wonder? Um... Probably not many, but they're all city miles, and they are all never having been washed. I like, mean, yeah, why wash a car when it's just going to get stinky anyway? Yeah, it's like a CVT carry, like oh. or a CVT every. That's what it was, but not every turbo RX. No, it was just a base model every, like because that's what the the University of Minnesota uses those, and they're the most useful thing for groundskeepers. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Because like you can drive on walking paths. Yeah, that, well, that's literally why it's like okay, well, we're going to pick up all the trash. Also, we have to deliver a mop and bucket to the St. Paul campus. Also, I think they usually have heat and ACs. I mean, they're... No, they're, they're fully functional vehicles. Good, yeah. Because, like, a Cushman doesn't do all that. Right. And actually, that's why we don't have K vehicles here. And that's why I we have... I remember. Because it, it was Cushman that got pissed. Because uh, Coney made, like, just imported uh, Subaru sandbars. Yeah. And they were eating uh, Cushman's, like, lunch in the 60s. 
And so Cushman's like, they got behind the chicken tax and everything yeah. to like just like tariff the hell out of these things. But Thanks, the state Cushman. of Minnesota, as long as they aren't registered for highway use as they register as a low-speed vehicle, you're fine. So that Minnesota law is actually part of how Mahindra got the rocks here. So actually, thanks to the Suzuki Carry and the Subaru Sandbar, that's why you can get a CJ2A with a diesel engine today in America. <laughs> I love that you had to specify with the diesel engine, well, with the slow because No, no, the diesel engine makes it significantly faster. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah, the, C, the CJ2A, yeah. the, the Go Devil, it made like... I know it wasn't much for horsepower, but I thought it was like 41 horsepower or something like that. Uh, Go Devil. Jeep. And for those listening, the Go Devil's in the original. 60 iteration. horsepower. Well, that's a lot more than I would have thought. So. I thought those were only like 40 or 45 horsepower. Maybe they revised it later? The Mahindra Roxor uh, is, again, exactly a CJ2A. Um, just scrolling down here, trying to get horsepower. It is 62 horsepower, so it's two more horsepower. Ooh. 144 pound-feet of torque with oh, a five-speed yeah. instead of a four-speed. Oh, speed. yeah. Now we're chooching. So that's actually a better-performing CJ2A that would, you can get as a side-by-side. We side determined side. a long time ago that the Mahindra Roxor is a much better Jeep than a Jeep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, that's why Jeep uh, sued them for a long time. Then why Mahindra won? Because they're like... No, you abandoned the patent. Like, sorry, dude. Well, it like, probably expired. You also ancient. you gave us the okay to sell these, and then you abandoned all of the copyright and patent for this. You kept Jeep, and we're not calling it a Jeep. Well, I think patents only last for like twenty years. Scott can chime in, but but well, I mean, like the the copyright stuff, like where it's trademark and all that. Yeah, yeah. trademark. That's okay. what I meant. Sure. Sorry. Yeah, that's yeah, all good. Um, but yeah, so the the Roxer is like in our. We haven't talked about the Rockstar for quite a while. In fact, I don't think it's on our... No, it's not on our, our uh, background. Uh, maybe but. we should... Uh, I'll, I'll uh, check back in on them that. later. All right, let's, uh, let's get one last topic in here, and then we'll be done with this episode. One last topic I do have, and I'm specifically not calling out the auto manufacturer that implements this, but I wasn't aware of a technology that allows cars right now to communicate... Their nav systems can communicate with utilities. Oh, no shit. Yeah, so... What? Yeah. Uh, there's a feature that's been in Audis as an option for seven years, which will communicate with utility systems, and it will actually have countdowns for stoplights, and it will tell you how fast you have to drive or how slow you have to drive to make sure you will hit the you know the green lights. In, that's actually in a really specific cool. order. I'm like, this is genius, I, and I can't think of any reason why you wouldn't be able to have a one-way communication system like that. Like, what's the downside to the car knowing when the light's going to turn? As I'm sure you deal with it, too. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm a, a robot when it comes to commuting. In the morning, oh. I know exactly which light's going to turn when, which order I have to go when, you know, what time of day I can expect a different light cycle. But like, if the car just did that in the cluster of the nav for you, it'd be kind of nice. I had a very annoying experience yesterday. Well, do where, tell. Okay. So I was going downtown because I had to just re- to renew my concealed carry. Okay. So I had to go down to the Minneapolis City Hall. Beautiful building. I had made a point to go there. Well, I made a point to do that because I'd rather go there than go to the place that's slightly closer but it's not nearly as fun or aesthetic. I went went there too. Yeah, yeah, because then then you get to go into the little tunnel and the little restaurant Mm -hmm. in the tunnel between the government centers. Like, that's really cool. We just worked on that building last year, so I spent a lot of time Yeah, so there's that little restaurant underneath, over by the the waterfall, not the waterfall, but the little water feature they have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a little restaurant in that. So I I wanted to eat there because I'd never been there. It was was fun. Patronize it, but it's fine. <laughs> but it's a cool area. It's worth it going because of the area. Um, like the little split level entry is super. Weird, yeah, it's but. super rad. But I love it. And so, 
But anyway, getting there, there's an ambulance. So we were, in, we were on 94. An ambulance is in the fast lane because he was going to take 35W South. Okay. Um, we were in eight gridlocks. So it was like he wasn't going anywhere. Ambulance turns on his light. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, he's going downtown now. So I'm like, great. I've got a clean shot behind the ambulance. Everybody's acting like a jackass, just stopping, you know, like peeing in their pants and doing fuck all. While this like person bleeds out and dies on the street. Cause the ambulance is stuck behind somebody that are so bad panicking. at yielding to. I, I really, I really think that if there's an ambulance behind you yeah. and you stop in the middle of the highway and you don't get out of the way of the ambulance and you don't know what to do. And you just sit there and panic and do nothing. I genuinely hope that one day you need an ambulance and some dipshit like you is the reason you like bleed out and die. Like I that think is, they should be able to cite those folks. Oh, absolutely. Like, no, you should immediate license revocation. Like suspension you, for sure. No revo- revocation. You have to go like ground up. You've shown that you're incapable of operating a motor vehicle yeah. on the U S road system. That's something they should really you, do in behind the wheel. I didn't think about that. Or like in your test, like this should have like okay, like not it doesn't actually happen. There's an yeah, ambulance behind you right brilliant. now. That's actually brilliant. Yeah, that that should be a thing. Yeah, yeah, that, like no, just, that's a, a thing. Because I don't think it was. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's, so I dealt with that, and then I got the amp. I was behind the ambulance. I'm like sick. All right, I get immediately behind the ambulance. I'm gonna get green lights all the way down Sixth or Seventh Street here, and so of course there is some dipshit in like a cruise. That stops every green light after the ambulance because the ambulance is ahead of him. He doesn't know what to do because there's an ambulance with lights on that is ahead of him. And he somehow got between me and the ambulance because I wasn't tailgating the ambulance. And I missed every fucking light because of that guy. Um, everybody else was mad, but don't worry. It, there's a happy ending here. Okay. I because happy ending. there was a guy in a Prius behind me that was more mad than me. And so he cut both of us off, got in front of the guy in the cruise, and then decided he was going to parallel park. And he was immediately in front of the cruise, so the cruise couldn't get around him. I was immediately behind the cruise. So the cruise had to sit there and wait for his priest to parallel park. After that was done, we started driving. I, like, just gun it and, like, light the tires up to, like, get in front of him because there's yellow light. Sure. And then I'm looking at my, bat- my rearview mirror is a guy in a truck that threw a pop at him. <laughs> so I'm like, Good! <laughs> This is the public hazing that you fucking deserve. Like, you are a scumbag. You should get out of your car and never injure another motor vehicle. That You're is, the reason that buses exist. That is, like, the most Midwestern thing. Like, I threw a pop at him. Yeah. Like, it's just like, it was like a full-size, like, a giant McDonald's cup. So it's like $1 for this guy to totally ruin this other person's day. And oh, hell yeah, that person deserved so it. so good. That's so, so terrific. Uh, but yeah, anyway, uh, good news is uh, no, it went super nice at the um, at, at the city hall. I love it there. Um, they were playing music on the bells like the entire time we were like driving up to it. Hmm. We're like, what is going on? We get in there and there's just some old man on the bell machine, like they have a little keyboard for the, that oh, plays the bells. That's kind of cool. Oh, he's going ham. He's got a whole book of, of paper and he's just playing one song after another. All right. Yeah, I'm about that. It was pretty. Cool. Nobody's ever mad at the bells. Yeah, the bells are great. The bells are great. And also, it makes it harder for panhandlers to ask you for money. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't. I can't hear you over the yeah, bells, dude. Hey, well, Sorry. Tomorrow. <laughs> bye. All right. Bye.